Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Mike Malamide Show, episode 172, A Story About Power. So I've been spending the last few days going through a training program about the Roman Catholic Catechism, which I use in my daily work. And uh, because of that, I've been able to take some time during the lunch breaks in class to sit in this the beautiful courtyard of the John Paul II Center in Denver, Colorado, right next to the, uh, the seminary. It's this beautiful Catholic-inspired uh, architecture. And I've been sitting there reading The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene, uh, rereading it. And there was a story that really came out and struck me. And it's a little bit of an excerpt from the book, but I wanted just to read it to you to describe the types of personalities it takes to rule and to go to the types of power or go for the types of power that end up being leaders of a country, leaders of a company. Um, Not all are like this, obviously. This is a very extreme example, but I think there's something a little bit different about those kinds of people to even quest for that kind of power and responsibility. And I remember hearing a quote once saying that all, quote, great men in history were also terrible men. It depends on which side you're looking from. Now, the person in our story tonight is not a man, but it's a woman. I'm going to read from the book now. Wu Chao, born in AD 625, was the daughter of a duke, and as a beautiful young woman of many charms, she was accordingly attached to the harem of Emperor Taicheng. The imperial harem was a dangerous place, full of young concubines vying to become the emperor's favorite. Wu's beauty and forceful character quickly won her this battle. But knowing that an emperor, like other powerful men, is a creature of whim, and that she could easily be replaced, kept an eye on the future. Wu managed to seduce the emperor's dissolute son, Cao Tiong, on the only possible occasion when she could find him alone, while he was relieving himself at the royal urinal. Even so, when the emperor died and Cao Tsung took over the throne, she still suffered the fate to which all wives and concubines of a deceased emperor were bound by tradition and law. Her head was shaven. She entered a convent for what was supposed to be the rest of her life. For seven years, Wu schemed to escape by communicating in secret with the new emperor and by befriending his wife, the empress. She managed to get to a highly unusual royal edict allowing her to return to the palace and to the royal harem. Once there, she fawned on the empress while still sleeping with the emperor. The empress did not discourage this. She had yet to provide the emperor with an heir. Her position was vulnerable, and Wu was a valuable ally. In 654, Wu Chao gave birth to a child. One day, the empress came to visit, and as soon as she had left, Wu smothered the newborn, her own baby. When the murder was discovered, suspicion immediately fell upon the empress, who had been on the scene moments earlier, and whose jealous nature was known by all. This was precisely Wu's plan. Shortly thereafter, the empress was charged with murder and executed. Wu Chao was crowned empress in her place. Her new husband, addicted to his life of pleasure, gladly gave up the reins of government to Wu Chao, who was from then on known as Empress Wu. Although now in a position of great power, Wu hardly felt secure. There were enemies everywhere. She could not let down her guard for one moment. Indeed, when she was 41, 
She began to fear that her beautiful young niece was becoming the emperor's favorite. She poisoned the woman with the clay mixed into her food. In 675, her own son, touted as the heir apparent, was poisoned as well. The next eldest son, illegitimate, but was now the crown prince, was exiled a little later on trumped-up charges. And when the emperor died in 683, Wu managed to have the son, after that, declared unfit for the throne. All this meant that it was her youngest, most ineffectual son who finally became emperor. In this way, she continued to rule. Over the next five years, there were innumerable palace coups. All of them failed, and all the conspirators were executed. By 688, there was no one left to challenge Wu. She proclaimed herself a divine descendant of Buddha, and in 690, her wishes were finally granted. She was named Holy and Divine Emperor of China. Wu became emperor because there was literally nobody left from the previous Qing dynasty. And so she ruled unchallenged for over a decade of relative peace. In 705, at the age of 80, she was forced to abdicate. I definitely want to say thank you to Robert Greene for that uh, story there. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up is that there's something about the desire for power, the thirst for power, that will make certain people take actions that are so drastic that they might even kill their own child, might even kill their own family to be able to achieve it. I think for the vast majority of us, we can't understand what that would be like. But there are some that are driven that way. And I think as we start looking at the people we elect, you know, I'm in the United States, which means we get to vote for the people who take over and, uh, and quote, unquote, lead the country. Um, I think we need to realize that the people who come forward are not necessarily coming from some altruistic space. There has to be this hunger. There has to be a drive. Yes, there are things they want to do. And yes, they want to make things better. But you can't ride that wave through the vast, vast landscape that takes years to climb and years to get where you want to go. There's something else there. And I think if we take that into account, if we realize it's there, and we don't just accept the uh, the moralistic posing that happens during elections, we might be a little bit more clear on the entire thing. I'd like to hear your thoughts about it. If you have any ideas, send me a message, michaelamaday.com in the uh, contact form. It's a great place to do it there. If you find yourself being creative with poetry, with short fiction or lyrics, consider listening to my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic, broadcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find us at worldpoetryopenmic.net. But until next time, which will be tomorrow, keep living authentically and keep living creatively.